Hello and welcome to the Jazz Jam Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Gunnels, joined by my co-host, Max Levy. And on today's episode, we are going to be getting into the Grammy Awards that are upcoming this Sunday afternoon. And yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. We're basically just going to go through a couple of categories of uh, jazz nominations and kind of give our thoughts and give an idea of what we think should win uh, the Grammy for each category. And I'm going to be honest before we start, Max has done pretty much all of the heavy lifting on this episode. So a lot of this is just going to be Max and what he thinks about the the albums. Um, and I'll give some of my input as well. But Max has listened to literally every single album and every single performance. So yeah, Max is going to really lead us in this one. So Max, how, how are you doing today? Uh, what's been going on with you in Kansas City? Yeah, this will be <clears throat> kind of the Max Rants episode, maybe. Um, but we're going to have some fun and go over three of the categories and get into some of the albums. We won't go as in-depth as we did last year. We did this kind of for the 2023 Jazz Grammys, um, and that one was maybe went on a little bit too long, and we went in-depth with it more than we will. This one, we'll just do more of an overview, and we'll bring in some some great points that I'll try and make, and and maybe you'll have some reactions that'll be helpful. But I'm doing well. I, I want to bring up something that happened last night on the gig. So every Thursday night, I, I play at a speakeasy bar, and it's a lot of fun usually. And sometimes, a lot of times, you get people from out of town. And, you know, they're at the hotel, and so they come down to the bar, and they, they have a drink after their convention. It's right next to the Kansas City Convention Center, pretty much. It's not too far. So a lot of people from out of town, and when that happens, they often ask requests you know they'll come up to the band and say can you play some frank sinatra can you play you know so and so and yesterday i had a, a bazillion requests we had a vocalist with us so it made it easier you know maybe she knows the 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 words to a song and we can just kind of pound through the the chords from the piano and then i i blow over the top on sax so it's not too hard for me if i don't know a particular tune but one of the guys I made a request came up to me and he asked for a laundry list. He said, Sade. He said, Kim. He said, uh, somebody else. And then he said, well, you know, you play saxophone. So how about some Kenny G? Oh yeah. <laughs> and he looked at me funny when I said, well, there are many other saxophone players than Kenny G that I like. So I don't really know any Kenny G. And he just looked sort of, dumbfounded like he couldn't believe you know it's kenny g or bust pretty much it, it uh, is crazy how many people when you say you listen to jazz or like saxophone that just that's their first go-to is just like oh yeah well, kenny g is so great and i'm just like oh man how do i let this person down easy you know well it's just funny because it's it's sort of um a weird occurrence where you know, you're aware of Kenny G, but you don't know jazz necessarily. And then you're going to look at me funny for not memorizing Kenny G tunes, because for one, a lot of them are either themed, you know, like Christmas oriented, or he's got, you know, love songs that are very, I would say, utilitarian. They're perfect in a wedding, for for instance. And so I'm not going to call a Kenny G song on a gig because for one, I'm not 
studying Kenny. No, you know, we're not studying Kenny G as jazz musicians. And there's just so much more history behind all, all of that before Kenny G and where he comes from. I, I respect him as a businessman, as a performer. He's got the look, he's got the money. He's, he's a great, great, um, professional musician but obviously if you're aware of jazz you know that's not necessarily where you should expect musicians should go in a jazz club right you're gonna you should kind of expect more great american songbook or maybe some funk stuff or you know we we could do a jazz version of sade or some stevie wonder you know if there's a great vocalist you you can cover a lot of that pretty easily but kenny g i mean just that's it's 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 hard not to keep my composure when that request came up i mean i did because that's the right thing to do and i don't want to belittle people for not knowing more than they should or don't but i just thought you'd get a kick out of that oh yeah i think our uh our feelings for kenny g are well documented on on the podcast not that there's anything wrong with kenny g or his music it's just a lot of times that's people's only first and only impression of jazz is is Kenny G which kind of gives us a I don't know gives jazz kind of a a bad look you know if that's like there's so much more depth to the music than just what Kenny G puts out there so that's right that's right so I just that was a little story that I thought you'd enjoy so did you play Kenny G I'm assuming you did not absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) we did a cover of uh sade's uh smooth operator and i know i know the sax line you know that 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 sax line that's behind the vocals and on the intro and then in the middle i just you know solo and vamp out on the on the d minor vamp thing and it's it's pretty simple but it's fun i like that tune it's fun to play on a song like that and that gives me much more pleasure than a Kenny G song. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a funny twist of the story if you're like, yeah, we had just ended up playing Kenny G, so we just... <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. But that is that is funny, Max. Well, let's get into to the episode. Um, let's go ahead and start getting through some of uh, the different categories and the Grammys coming up. Yeah, I just want to say real quick, the 2024 Grammys, as we know it, officially known as the 66th, grammy awards this coming sunday will air live 8 to 11 30 live eastern time and then 5 to 8 30 pacific time on the cbs television network also streaming on paramount plus and there are three new grammy categories that will debut at this year's 2024 grammys we've got the best african music performance category best alternative jazz album category which i think is very interesting and then the best pop dance recording. So we got some new categories, you know, some new flavors here with the Grammys this year. And with the jazz specific categories, you know that a lot of them are actually all of them are announced before they air on television. And so while you're watching it, if you do watch it, you can sort of Google um, who's already won the, the jazz categories and and see all the all the cats who who came out with the awards in each of these categories and i did see that samara joy will be presenting best new artist at the grammys so you will see her when they air it on tv yeah and kind of a storyline from last year is a uh, samara joy winning best new artist the first jazz musician to win it since esperanza spalding so that was 
honestly a surprise and we didn't see that coming last year I mean we know how great she is and you know the work that she's done but yeah so it's really cool that she'll be presenting that award this year as the reigning best new artist at the Grammys that's right so that's something to look out for if you are going to watch or maybe you'll see clips on social media after um, but the fir- the first category we're going to go over real quick is the best jazz performance category, which last year I think was labeled best improvised solo. And I think this is a much more accurate representation of what the category is trying to go for in terms of its nominating process. Here uh, we get just the just individual songs, so not a whole album, but we get tunes from great albums that were put up for this category of best jazz performance. And in order to qualify, it's really for new vocal or instrumental solo duo group or collaborative jazz recordings. The first one we get is from John Batiste, great player, great composer, great musician, his tune movement 18. Um, there, this is kind of cool. It's from world music radio, his album from verve records, along with Interscope Records. It's got a gospel influence. There's a nice three-note theme in the beginning of the song behind the the saying of the Lord's Prayer. So there's multiple voiceovers. We also get a a cameo appearance of a voiceover from Wayne Shorter, you know, the great saxophonist we we, um, sort of lost last year. And he's Wayne's talking about ego, and there's a lot of spiritual themes with this song. It's quite spiritual, lots of repetition. The piano gets busier, and then it comes down again. There's great dynamics within this selection. I love the minute marker 314 to the end, where the piano gives us more improvisation, and it's very rhythmic. I'm assuming this song includes voices or spoken words or concepts that are influential to John Batiste, the artist himself. And so that's it's sort of a dedication maybe to his heroes and and we get a spiritual theme through it. Did you listen to this one? Yeah, I did have a chance to check this one out. I really like John Batiste a lot. I think he's a fantastic piano player. He's one of the guys that does a really good job of kind of melding kind of melding elements of classical piano and jazz piano really well together. He's such an expressive pianist. Um, and we're really getting that on this track from about 314 until the end. He starts to open up. The kind of spoken word goes away and it's mostly just him playing. And he opens up a little bit and it's it's the playing there is awesome um at the end of the track. And I I definitely do enjoy this track, but it kind of to me feels more like an interlude than necessarily like a featured performance that would deserve uh best jazz performance in my opinion i definitely see where you're coming from it's it's sort of just long enough to count as a complete song but with with how it operates and moves from in and out of the voiceovers and the way the piano is playing you're right it's sort of more like a transition from the song before to the song after it like an interlude and there's more of that to come on some of the other albums we'll go over soon in this episode later on in some of the other categories but you're right it's it's sort of this nebulous is it a full complete song or is it an interlude i think it's just long enough to count as a song um either way it's it's quite quite interesting what john batiste gives us on this one yeah i definitely agree yeah his playing is, is fantastic we then get the second uh, selection in this category from Lakeisha Benjamin. We went over her album, Phoenix, uh, uh, I don't know, four or five episodes ago. You can find it. 
we we did a whole review of the album i thought it was a great album and this particular track is called basquiat named after an artist is that right yeah yeah famous kind of uh what's the style of art what's it called like impressionist art or a kind of abstract yeah he's a new york artist um very famous uh new york artist i I don't i think he died a while back but yeah okay yeah i i think more abstract um but either way yeah it's it's you know interesting title and it kind of matches the song which is a free jazz composition with walking bass you got a cool head played by the trumpet and the saxophone Lakeisha's on the alto saxophone and it's completed with stylistic doits and falls and an array of articulations a lot of color with the melody and with the way the horns are phrasing and stylizing the lines that they're playing great development in the saxophone solo also great accompaniment from the bass and piano too they follow the saxophone solo really nicely during that sax solo Lakeisha hints at double time and they finally go with her you know, that's a moment where you can tell everybody is listening to each other. They're reacting to one another. They're creating music together. And that's something you don't always get with these free jazz selections like you think you would. Um, it's also one of the more dynamic free jazz tracks I've heard in a long time. And so for that, for that reason and all the others, I think this one really deserves... Um, to be in this category, I think it's a great track. What'd you th- What'd you think? Yeah, yeah, I think that we've uh, we've heard a good number of uh, different free jazz, like newer free jazz selections on this podcast, and they don't always really speak to us um, as much as maybe they could musically. But I think this is one that does the free jazz thing really well. Um, and Lakeisha's playing is just so awesome. She's confident, unafraid. And yeah, I mean, just this album is so great in general. And uh, definitely this feature, this this free jazz feature is a really cool element of the album for sure. Yeah, it says something. And that doesn't happen as much as you'd like um, with other free jazz compositions. So with that, we go to the third tune in this category, Vulnerable from Adam Blackstone. And it's featuring the Baylor Project, a.k.a. Marcus Baylor and Gene Baylor. Uh, the great vocalist and drummer. It's a live album from bassist and songwriter Adam Blackstone. He's also been musical director for such acts as Justin Timberlake and the one and only Nicki Minaj. Dwayne, have you been following the the drama with Nicki Minaj lately? I try to stay away from as much pop drama as possible. What, what What's been going on, Max? Do you know? I only know because I can... I secondhand follow it through the wife. And mm. so she's she's aware of what's going on. Basically, it's this feud with Megan the Stallion. Okay. And, yep. And Nikki came out with a track as a response to as a response to Megan the Stallion. And um it's kind of kind of out there and there's this almost minute long just speaking at the end of Nikki's latest song that <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting but it's it's a little wild i hope she's okay she <laughs> she may need to see somebody i don't know okay well, uh, i'll have to brush up on my Nicki minaj i was not ready for uh to be asked about Nicki minaj on this episode yeah i might throw you at some curveballs on this episode yeah yeah for sure um so moving on with the jazz on this this track Adam Blackstone presents what he's calling the legacy experience. 
and we get Gene Baylor on vocals with horns and rhythm section behind her. It's a ballad tempo, nice open piano introduction on Vulnerable. As Baylor sings, the piano accompanies nicely filling the spaces in her phrasing in a way that's light and not overpowering, very important musically. It's interesting to hear what the drums do too. Let's listen to that together. We'll have some snippets um, to listen to uh, throughout this episode, and this is our first. Yeah, that's awesome. I like how they build into that kind of driving swing feel there. That's exactly why I picked that little little clip, because it's development. It's musically creative and interesting. And again, they're listening to each other. That's great. Um, and I, I love hearing what Marcus Baylor does on the drum set behind her, too. It's not exactly what you'd expect. You know, you, you tend to think that he'll be more intense with it, but exactly how does he play the drums to qualify that intensity and what does he bring out with the cymbals versus the the tom drums and all that and um i think it's very cool what what he's doing on drum set behind her the trumpet and the and the vocals also do some trading towards the end with heavier bashing from marcus on drum set it's nice growth and intensity and there's lots of high notes used on used on the horn um another moment of development it's a super dynamic movement that's happening throughout the song and the drum cadenza before the final sound with with those big bashes from the drum set creates a really really nice ending so all in all it's a great track um from adam blackstone and gene baylor the tune vulnerable um comes together really nicely yeah and i think we're gonna get this album was nominated for instrumental album right so we're gonna get more of this later not necessarily. It's the same artist and uh, music, but it's not a live performance. So this is the live. Oh, okay. Either the live version or the live recording of an Adam Blackstone record that was nominated for best album that we'll get into later on in the episode. Gotcha. Okay, but we will get more from from Adam Blackstone uh, later on in the episode. And then we get the fourth track in this category, but not for me. From Fred Hirsch and Esperanza Spalding, one of the all-time greats and influential bassists and vocalists. And on this record, Esperanza is just singing on this on this album with Fred Hirsch accompanying her on piano. And the whole album is great. We'll talk more about that later on because that this the album that this track comes from was nominated for Best Jazz Vocal Album. So more on that later. This particular tune, but not for me, is from George Gershwin. Classic jazz standard. It's a 32-bar form with two 16-bar sections. And the way Fred Hirsch plays, it's very interesting. He's got an almost monkish, you know, Thelonious Monk-like piano introduction before Esperanza comes in. Her entrance was confident and not seemingly obvious, uh, musically speaking. She sort of just comes in in the middle of Fred Hirsch's um, 
line or what he's doing on the piano. It's not like he stopped and paused and said, okay, I'm going to do this four bar introduction before you come in and give space. And then she enters, she just sort of comes in and that's interesting to me. And um, I'm sure they've done that before. It, it, it just was unexpected. And that's a nice element to the beginning of this track. Overall, it's loose, but it has a driving feel throughout. I love the octave jumping and moving that Miss Baldings is doing from her musings and her vocalizations. It's very interactive with the audience, too. She pokes fun at a couple of the older lyrics from this from this classic tune. Some of the words it uses are kind of outdated or we don't really use that often anymore. And she brings that out. There's There's some nice laughter from the audience that really adds a lot to the track she continues to have some nice vocalization starting at minute marker 309 she's scatting in an elusive and moving way it's almost really flowy and it's awesome to hear how fred hirsch accompanies her when she's traveling the vocal sphere if you will he's sort of following her in his own way and in some ways unexpectedly or things that you wouldn't necessarily think where to go Fred Hirsch goes there and that's a really key thing to listen for when you're listening to, but not for me from this album. It's super professional, really entertaining and always swinging. I mean, did you check this out? Yeah. Yeah. I got a chance to listen to this and it's just, yeah. Esperanza is such a pleasure to listen to and she's such an entertainer, like her kind of interactions and saying she doesn't know what certain words mean and you know, they're kind of older words. Yeah, she's just, it's so entertaining. It feels like she's really bringing the audience in. And yeah, Fred Hirsch is just, his feel is so great. Just the two of them, um, they're so locked in. So yeah, this is a really cool, cool performance, I think, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And more on that later. Then we get the fifth track in this category, Tight, the great Betty Carter tune sung by Samara Joy, who won Best Jazz Vocal Album last year and Best New Artist. So great to see her again in the category. This is released as a single on Verve Records. Um, Again, it's a Betty Carter tune. It's a fast tempo. They're zooming on this one. It's an awesome standard. I love the belt, the vocal belt that she does at 108. And there's unfortunately no instrumental solo. We're sort of short, sweet, and always swinging on this track. Tight is, is usually played at a really quick tempo. Sometimes it's medium. I kind of like it more medium. There's a great version, I think from Betty Carter. I could be wrong, but another vocalist, maybe Carmen McRae, um, that did it more of a, at a brisk medium tempo and that swings hard, but this is sort of in the later Betty Carter tradition. There's a great video on YouTube. If you want to check it out with Branford Marsalis backing up Betty Carter, doing this tune tight. Um, so that's something to, 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 to try and see for yourself where this sort of style and approach is coming from. There's a great moment in this track from about 130 to 140. I want us to listen to that together. Pay attention to how the piano changes harmony and gets more involved and plays more interestingly behind some mirrors swinging out vocals. Um, it's great development here. Don't let Yeah. Yeah. And Samara's just swinging it out. You know, it's yeah. great. The re- repetition 
everything about it, it's joyful to me. Yeah, it's super interesting. This track's only a minute and 55 seconds long. That's super short. I mean, I, I you know, I'd say that jazz vocal tracks are usually shorter than your standard instrumental track, but that is, they are getting through it quick there, a minute and 55 seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's because of the fast tempo and no solos. Again, that does make for a shorter, you know, musical track. Yeah, for sure. So that completes that category. Um, the best jazz performance category. Do you want me to? Yeah, I was just going to run through and just say all five of the things. Um, just recap all five of the recording. So first up, we have Movement 18 Heroes by John Batiste. Second up, we have Basquiat by Lakeisha Benjamin. Third, we have Vulnerable by Adam Blackstone featuring The Baylor Project. Fourth, we have But Not For Me by Fred Hirsch and Esperanza Spalding. And then fifth in that category, we have the song we were just talking about, Tight by Samara Joy. Yeah, and out of all those, my pick, if I were the Grammy, you know, God, (laughs) (laughs) uh, would be Lakeisha Benjamin's Basquiat. That would be my pick out of those. Although I could see them going for But Not For Me from Esperanza Spalding. Um that's that's a great track too, and vulnerable is nice. Samara Joy might win just because she's Samara Joy. I don't know. You know, I could see them going a lot of different directions. But for me, out of those, uh, Basquiat delivers the most interesting musical things, and that's what I'm listening for. With if I'm deciding from this category, yeah, I think you make a great point. I think that Basquiat definitely brings us a lot musically and kind of encapsulates what this category is supposed to be, which is just the best jazz performance. And we're getting such a great performance from this entire group that's playing on Lakeisha Benjamin's album. Um, but I think this is going to be a close category. Honestly, I could see it going to any of the the nominations. John Batiste is really well-liked and the kind of guy that the Grammys would want to reward. Um, he's definitely won Grammys before. Uh, Lakeisha Benjamin, we both think that she deserves it. It's just, yeah, there's pretty much a really good selection of of tunes and um, different performances here to to work with. So, yeah, Max, yeah. How, do you, how do you think? Uh, let's get into the the best jazz vocal album. What do you think? Okay, sounds good. Cool. Why don't you kick us off with uh, the first album? Should I run through the the albums first and then we'll go through them? Or do you want to just go through them and then we'll recap them at the end? Let's have you list them uh, and then we'll get into each one. Okay, cool. All right. So first, uh, our first nomination is For Ella 2 by Patty Austin with the Gordon Goodwin Big Band. And then our second nomination is Alive at the Village Vanguard by Fred Hirsch and Esperanza Spalding. That's where we got that performance of But Not For Me from um, that we talked about with the best uh, performance. So that comes off of our second nomination there. And third, we get Lean In by Gretchen Parlato and Lionel Luke. And then fourth, we get uh, Melusine by Cecil McLaurin Salvant, who was also nominated last year for best vocal album. So we talked about Cecil uh, last year with an album that she put out. So she's putting out new music constantly. So we get her as well nominated again. And then the fifth album nominated is How Love Begins by Nicole Zoraitis. So, yep, those are our five nominations. Max, why don't you get us started with the album For Ella 2 by Patty Austin. 
Yeah, I've actually seen Patty Austin perform live with the Kansas City Symphony um, a few years ago, and she she's tremendous at what she does. She's not necessarily the most dynamic jazz vocalist. I don't see her much as a scatter per se, but she's great at singing the Great American Songbook, and that's kind of what this album delivers. It's sort of dedicated to the great Ella Fitzgerald, and she's paired with the Gordon Goodwin uh, big fat band. It's a big band, um, kind of popular, and they're they're doing a number of selections associated with Ella or sort of in the style of Ella Fitzgerald. It's well arranged, great um, curation, I think, throughout the whole album. There's one thing to say that's a little maybe off-putting to some listeners, and that is I can kind of tell that most of the band is made up of white guys by the sound and the swing feel of the Gordon Goodwin Big Fat Band. That's, um, not, that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> well, I say that because at moments, this is really just three or four of the tracks maybe, um, it just, the, the swing feel doesn't swing as hard, and there's there's sort of less individual contribution i think you know if you compare the gordon goodwin big band to let's say the christian mcbride big band there's going to be a difference Mm -hmm. um and so i you know if you google the gordon goodwin big fat band and you see who's in it uh it's great players you know i think eric alexander's in there he's a fantastic musician um but you you can tell it's pretty much all white guys and and they're paired nicely with Patty Austin here. And um, I don't know. That's just something I, I got right away. You can kind of tell they're influenced by the great Duke Ellington Orchestra and how sophisticated maybe the sound is. It's really well put together. There's just some moments where I go, this could be more swinging, in my opinion. Um, so that's just a personal note. There are some really nice standout tracks to me. On Mac the Knife, I enjoyed... Patty Austin quoting, or really she's sort of shouting out the Ella Fitzgerald version of that tune. If you don't know, that was a live album, live in Berlin, Ella in Berlin, where she kind of does Mac the Knife, but she makes up lyrics on the spot, and she does a lot of quotes on that album, a lot of great scatting on that record, and um, Patty Austin later on throughout the track of Mac the Knife brings that out and, and shouts out Ella for doing that version of Mac the Knife. The other tune that comes out to me is I Fall in Love Too Easily, the great ballad. There's really nice vocals from Patty Austin paired with great guitar accompaniment there, and it's sort of paired with the tune It Never Entered My Mind. Later on in that track, they do the James Bond movement where you go five, six, flat six, back down to six thing that sort of transitions into It Never Entered My Mind, the great um, standard and it's treated as an almost ethereal gospel feel when they get into that second song of that little medley the tune let's do it let's fall in love from cole porter is also on this album and that may be the most swinging track in terms of how we're push pushing and pulling the beat that one felt really nice and and that one swung harder to me than the others they also do t- you know taint what you do it's the way that you do it that gives off a Louis Prima vibe. Overall, it's a pretty good album. It's a smidge on maybe the pop side of things. This would be really good 
if you were just starting out to listen to jazz and you enjoy great vocals and the big band sound, this would be a good album to listen to. And I think, you know, despite maybe some of that, that poppiness of it, Patty Austin delivers exceptionally well on quite a few tracks, um, including that ballad. I fall in love too easily. It's, it's, you know, there's some really nice moments here on this record. Yeah. It seems like everyone's doing, I fall in love too easily nowadays too. It's a pretty common Mm -hmm. song. It seems like, you know, even maybe not the average jazz listener would, would know that song because of all the, the renditions that come out. Well, let's get into the second uh, nomination, which is Alive at the Village Vanguard by Fred Hirsch and Esperanza Spalding. Uh, we kind of talked about this one a little bit with the um, But Not For Me performance. So, Max, what do you think about this album? I think this is a really hip record. I mean, uh, it's great to listen to. Very collaborative, um, great attitudes, it seems, from Esperanza Spalding in terms of her interactions with the audience and how well she gets along with Fred Hirsch. You can tell that from the music that that they are in this together and it's a really neat atmosphere that you get from listening to these tracks it's also refreshing that most of the tunes are standards a couple of fred hirsch tunes are in the mix there's also the song loro which is by brazilian pianist uh igerto giamanti i don't know how to say that but that's a shot at it (laughs) i think that's pretty good there max yeah uh giamanti um, this album is fun. It's hip. It's great. I love this version of Girl Talk. Girl Talk is is a great Neil Hefty tune. Usually, kind of, you pull it back. It can swing really hard. And the way Esperanza does it, she's very interactive with the audience, giving examples of what Girl Talk would sound like. You know, she talks about um, the nails that you buy at the beauty salon store and things like that. And it, it's really fun. And, and I dig that there's a lot of intentional um, scatting that from, from Esperanza Spalding it's, it's great movement vocally on Fred Hirsch's dream of monk tune specifically. There's moments that remind me directly of instrumental sounds. You know, we get that sort of practice where vocals in the jazz tradition try and sound like an instrument and instruments try and sound like vocals and here, Esperanza Spalding is is pulling from that practice where there are moments where she sounds more like an instrument than a singer. And that's really neat to listen for. There's also a Ruby My Dear quote, you know, more Thelonious Monk there. Fred Hirsch sometimes also goes off into another world when he's soloing, which is possible because he's literally the only player (laughs) accompanying the vocals so he can kind of go wherever he wants to go as long as he goes in and out of certain things in a way that sort of makes sense or are at least fun and interesting and then esperanza can follow him from there yeah yeah i love that aspect of smaller groups sometimes it's awesome because you know we play in a trio where i play organ and i'm the foundation of the harmony right so i can sometimes take things in certain places that we might not be able to if it were a pianist and a bass player but since i've got all the harmony i can kind of go where i want and rely on max to hear that and you just get that a lot more from smaller groups sometimes especially here in a a duo setting where it's just piano and vocals he fred hirsch can take it wherever he wants you know and just kind of get back to you know, where they need to be and kind of cue Esperanza back in. So I, I love that aspect of, of smaller groups. 
That's right. They can kind of do what they want. And they do that on this record in interesting ways that is engaging to an audience member. And I appreciate that. And that is a great thing that this record gives us. And I'm really happy to see it in this category. Um, it's just a, it's just a, a breath of fresh air to get a record like this. Yeah, and this isn't one that I fully got to check out. I did listen to, but not for me um, when I was going through the performances. But for Max's review here, it seems like one that I definitely need to listen to and maybe that y'all would want to listen to as well. Um, Max is giving a pretty high praise here, so definitely one to keep on the radar. Yeah, you should check it out for sure. And then we get the third, tra- or sorry, third whole album in this category from Gretchen Parlato. Uh, it's called Lean In. It's a duo recording from Gretchen and Lionel Luke, who's a guitar player. And here we get another duo record. It's like the year of the duo albums, um, which is neat, I guess. I don't know. We got to do, we, you and I should do a duo. I record. was going to say, I guess we're up next, Max. <laughs> next year, baby. <laughs> um, I also want to say Gretchen Parlato, I really dig. There's a story that, I don't know if I've mentioned to you, Dwayne, or have mentioned here on the podcast before. Uh, I got the chance to see her perform live once. I must have been only nine or 10 feet away from her. You know, I was towards the front row. Maybe I think I was in the front row and really intimate setting. Um, great performance. She has an ability to put things together you wouldn't normally expect. And she has her own sound with her vocalizations, her approach to music um her aura really as a performer you can tell that she's got her own thing going and that's necessary for a budding great jazz career um and the other thing about that performance that i saw i went with a group of friends that were also jazz majors at east carolina university and snarky puppy was playing at another stage so we were we went to a jazz uh, it was either like a, I think it was a music festival, not jazz specifically, but a lot of jazz artists were on it. And Snarky Puppy was supposed to play like the tail end of Gretchen Parlato's set on a different stage. So like the last 30 minutes of Gretchen Parlato's performance, a number of friends went to go see Snarky Puppy perform. And me and a guitar player, Devin, he and I were like, we're not leaving Gretchen Parlato. What are you, nuts? You're crazy. This is great. Like, this is the music I, I want to see. Snarky Puppy is tremendous too, but I'll see them after Gretchen is done. I'm not going to leave Gretchen Parlato for Snarky Puppy. <laughs> Just... So, and then after Gretchen's set, we then, Devin and I, go over to the Snarky Puppy set, and Snarky Puppy had not even started yet. They started late, of course. So... Hey. There you go. They missed out. That's yeah. karma. That's karma. Like that's musical karma right there for them leaving early. Don't leave a Gretchen Parlato set early. That's proof. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny story, Max. Yeah, I'll I'll never forget that one because <laughs> I was I just looked at him funny. I said, "No, I'm not leaving. I'll see you. I'll see you in 30 minutes." Yeah. Bye. Um, but with this particular record, it's a duo recording released on May 19th, 2023 on Edition Records. It's a British label. It's mostly originals from Gretchen and Lionel. Uh, either one of them wrote their wrote the song themselves or they collaborated and wrote it together. Some uh, were both of them were credited were to both of them alongside a third name as composer. 
So some of the tunes are, are composed by three people, Gretchen Lionel, and then a, a, a third collaborative. Um, uh, you, you, I think it was a drummer, you know, diff different instrumentalists that were involved with them or that have played with them before. I love the added vocal clicks and sounds that she'll do on the tune I Miss You. It's almost like percussion. It reminded me of Al Jarreau's version of Take 5 or the tune Circles. I think that's what it's called from the great Bobby McFerrin. It's that sort of vibe. There's also a great blues feel on the third track of the album titled If I Knew. It's a cool self-call and response I'm getting from Gretchen to herself where she moves from the higher end of her vocals to the lower end back and forth. There's also great added percussion and bass playing. And I want us to listen to that together. And there's more to say on that too. Another day, another night In the dark, find some light Did it start, did it end Is this real or pretend Letting go, holding tight Is this wrong, is this right Oh, I'll laugh and I'll cry Say hello and say goodbye And say goodbye And say goodbye And say goodbye What a groove. It's a great groove. And I was going to get at that, um, that I think it's an influence from Afrobeat music. Yeah. Do you get that sense? Yeah, yeah definitely. With the, yeah, the kind of the rhythmic feel that we're getting there with the percussion and then the, the bass as well. Yeah. So if you don't know Afrobeat music, check it out. That's seemingly obviously an influence to me on, on this track. Other tunes on this album are quite short, working to make, short interludes or peaks of interest throughout the album. It also features some different languages. I'm getting, I think, African dialects and other percussive elements that you don't expect. There's rain sticks in the beginning of the tune, Painful Joy. And Walking After You is a great ending track. That's the last track on the album. And I think all in all, it's well curated. A lot of interesting things going on in this record. And the collaboration and the atmosphere it provides uh, is really nice and inviting and warm to me. And it, it's sort of a interesting album to check out. So I, I do recommend listening to this album, Lean In from Gretchen Parlato and Lionel Luke, the guitar player. Yeah, it seems definitely like a more unique sound than maybe the first couple of albums. Um, so definitely a cool one to, to listen to. Absolutely. And then we get Cicely McLaurin Salvant. Uh, her newest record, Melusine or Melison, it's the seventh studio album released on March 24, 2023 on Nonsuch Records, which is attributed, I think, to Warner Brothers and primarily sung in French. This album is it's thematic or it's a like a concept album based on the folklore story of Melusine. If you don't know, Melusine was a woman whose lower body would turn into a snake, but only on Saturdays. Would you ever be married to Melusine? I don't think so, but that sounds <laughs> about right, doesn't it, Max? <laughs> yes. Um, that would be a wild life. Yeah. To be, yeah. That's only crazy. on Saturdays. Yeah, That's just Saturdays. 
That's the story. It's there's got to be something in that French bread. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Must be the water. It's the water. Yeah. On this album, you get mostly originals, but the first few tunes uh, are credited to other people. Overall, uh, Sicily or Cecile has a cabaret aspect to her vocal style. She's kind of a cabaret slash trad jazz singer that also can incorporate elements of musical theater and a lot of other things. And so that that's interesting to see kind of how she vocalizes certain phrases when she's singing. I really enjoy the fourth track on this album where she's only accompanied by drums. That's a nice change of pace. And the drum sound reminds me of a snare drum, but without the snare turned on. So it's like you turn the snare off on the snare drum. That may be what it is. It may not be, but that's what I'm getting. Then after that, we get the fifth track spelled D-O-U-D-O-U. It's really catchy. I love the piano on this one. There's sort of a calypso or tango almost feel. And we actually get a saxophone solo. That's great. I'm all here for the sax solos. Um, We get great articulation, awesome phrasing, nice drag triplets are here too. It's overall a great sound. And I want us to listen to this moment together. Yeah, that's killing. Isn't it? And yeah. I feel it feels very French to me. Yeah. It's almost that's, like yeah, like French, but almost like some like samba like vibes too. Right. We're we're mixing some stuff together, which yeah. is a nice, you know, it's hodgepodge of things. Um, but I felt like I was walking through Paris, at least part of Paris. I've heard there are some parts you don't want to go to. <laughs> Uh, and then there are moments of uh, some later tracks that remind me more of folk music, perhaps, rather than just straight ahead jazz. The 10th track sounds like a hymn or gospel chant. The song Fenestra is the 12th song and has a great opening drum solo and nice percussive elements on the song. Overall, definitely worth a listen, but I'm not sure when I would ever necessarily re-listen or revisit this album, save for a few favorite particular tunes I enjoy. Yeah, and Cecile, she has such a unique sound, so she's definitely worth checking out. Um, you might get influenced by something she's doing, or you might hear something that you like, a certain feel that you might not typically get on a different album. So definitely worth checking out her music, and she's she's an awesome musician. Absolutely. That leads us to the fifth album in this category, How Love Begins. This is an all-original release from seasoned vocalist Nicole Zaretis, or Zaretis. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Zoritis? Zoritis, I <laughs> that think. Sounds yeah. like a, that sounds right. Is that it? Okay. Yeah. She, she teaches at NYU and State University uh, of New York College uh, 
SUNY Purchase, you know, at at within she teaches on the jazz faculty at at SUNY Purchase, and she's she's well versed in, in jazz. I seems like she she knows what she's doing. Great professor, all of those things. This album co-produced from Christian McBride, and it's self-released. I, I'm pretty sure we do get drummer Dan Hugak Huga. Um, on this and there's a lot of credits to dan and i found out that nicole is married to dan so they're a power jazz couple (laughs) there you go yeah that's the dream (laughs) and they seem to work together quite a bit uh just in general this album has all originals nice funky feel on the opening track once you sort of get into it a number of songs feature prominent israeli guitarist galad hexelman and you can tell she's coming from the tradition, even though we're getting all original music. Awesome bass solo from Christian McBride on the t- on the track called Burn. And I love when it goes into just vocals and walking bass. That's a neat aspect to that track, Burn. And it ends with McBride just saying, yeah, dig it. So you get some some Christian McBride-isms in, in this album and on that track. And on the sixth track we get two fish and that song swings really hard many times her voice kind of reminds me of carmen lundy and the song 20 seconds is a superb track great development it builds really nicely there's touching and moving vocal harmonies on the last tune of the album called the garden all in all definitely worth worth a listen um but I would need to be more familiar with some of these. You know, I'll, I'll just have to follow what, what Nicole's doing. And, um, you know, she's, she's got my attention. That's what I'll say. Yeah, so let's. Uh, that was our last album in this category, the best jazz vocal album. So I'm going to recap all of our albums. And then, Max, why don't you give us your pick for who, do you, who you think deserves uh, best jazz vocal album? Okay, so our first nomination is For Ella 2 by Patty Austin with the Gordon Goodwin Big Band. The second nomination is Alive at the Village Vanguard by Fred Hirsch and Esperanza Spalding. Our third nomination is Lean In by Gretchen Parlato and Lionel Luke. Our fourth nomination is Melusine by Cecil McLaurin Salvant. And our fifth and final nomination is How Love Begins by Nicole Zoraitis. Max, what do you think, which album do you think is most deserving of the, the award here? My pick for best jazz vocal album would be Alive at the Village Vanguard, Fred Hirsch and Esperanza Spalding. It's just so fun. They they treat those tunes in an interesting way. It's great to hear the interaction between the piano and the vocals and the audience. You know, the the sometimes we forget that as musicians. How do we interact with the audience? This is a prime example of how to do that. Um, if you want a master class and how to treat an audience in an intimate setting like this, where you're taking away instrumentation from a jazz, uh, jazz ensemble, this is, this is kind of how you do it. And for those reasons, that's why I pick it. Yeah. And I think it's, it would, I mean, who doesn't love Esperanza Spalding? So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, she gets the, the Grammy here. All right. And wrapping up the episode, we're going to get into our best jazz instrumental album category i'll go ahead and list out the albums and then we'll jump right into it with uh max giving us uh his synopsis of of each album so the first album that we get nominated is the source by kenny Barron. second up is phoenix by lakeisha benjamin 
The third nomination is Legacy, the Instrumental John by Adam Blackstone. The fourth nomination is The Winds of Change by Billy Childs. And the fifth nomination is Dreambox by Pat Metheny. Max, why don't you start us out with The Source by Kenny Barron. What do you think about this one? First of all, it's great to see Kenny Barron coming out with albums at 80 years old. Um, that's a tremendous feat in and of itself. Great to see him included here. This album released in January of 2023 on Artwork Records. It's a label that seems to be only a year old or so based in Paris, France. There's a mix of originals and standards on this record, all solo piano, just Kenny Barron by himself. It reminded me of the solo Monk album uh, that we know from Thelonious Monk, which is funny since Kenny Barron includes two Thelonious Monk compositions on this record, The Source. The opening track, What If, has some nice Monk-isms within it too. I wonder if The Source, quote-unquote, he's referring to is Thelonious Monk himself, or maybe it's just a number of piano influences that he's had over the time of his career. Either way, there's some monkisms here that are appreciated. The tune Isfahan swings hard in the middle of this typical ballad we get, where he's seemingly soloing within the context of a double time feel. So going in and out of that double time feel is really neat to listen to. The song Teo has a nice bounce to it as well. Overall, we're getting a, a, a decent, you know, great uh, feat here, decently great feat here from Kenny Barron, just doing a solo piano work. And he, he delivers with each tune a lot of language, a lot of movement. Um, and he's, he's always sort of in the moment with what he's doing, but he's well-practiced as well. And Kenny Barron is one of the great piano players we have still living. And it's great to see him included here um on on this category yeah for sure so awesome to get new music from kenny barrett at, at 80 years old so yeah that's really cool well let's get into the the second uh nomination which is phoenix by lakeisha benjamin an album that we're fairly familiar with here on the podcast we are yeah if you want a real in-depth uh, look into this record from Lakeisha. Check out that episode. That's one of my favorite episodes personally, where we dissect melodies. We get into um, how instruments interact with one another. We get into some social justice, uh, you know, sort of messages that she gets through from the first and, and a couple of the, the tracks. And there's great transitions and interludes as well on Phoenix. Overall, it's a tremendous album. The tune Blast is something that I will remember for a long time because of how awesome Lakeisha's Benjamin solo is on the alto sax in the middle of that track. She says so much, you know, so much more than a lot of other players could on their instrument. And that's a neat thing about this album. Also a great version of Patrice Russian's tune. And speaking of that, I think that track is called Jubilation. And Patrice Russian is a guest on this record and there's quite a few guests on the album phoenix including another voiceover we're getting from wayne shorter that um seemed really relevant at the time because that's roughly about the time that we lost wayne shorter in the jazz world overall i really highly recommend phoenix by lakeisha benjamin she's one of my favorite saxophone players that is on the scene today and is part of the the newer batch of musicians we're getting in the jazz world. 
Yeah, and I think we I think we predicted that this that Phoenix would be nominated for a Grammy when we were doing that episode. Did we not, Max? I'm sure we did. At least we said it deserves a nomination. Yeah, for and sure. Yeah, such a fantastic album. Her playing is very Coltrane-esque at times, but she's also so unique. Her sound is so unique, and she's just not afraid to go for it. I love her playing so much. She's a, a joy to listen to, for sure. Yeah, always keeps my attention. And that leads us to the third track in the Best Jazz Instrumental Album category, Legacy, The Instrumental John by Adam Blackstone. This is a 12-track release from January 2023. It features a lot of great guests or collaborations here, including Marcus Baylor on drums. We get Corey Henry, as well as John Schofield, Melvin Jones, Robert Glasper, and the list goes on. Most of these songs are around the three to four minute mark, which is a little different for a modern jazz album, but I appreciate it because maybe this is more digestible to non-jazz listeners. There's an obvious R&B and gospel influence here on this record too. One criticism I may have is that some tracks just sort of end like a lot of modern pop does. And that's slightly annoying just to me personally. Um, we've gone over that before. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then the track Brother Jay has a nice feel and swing section. And we do get a pretty much straight-ahead swinger in the middle of this album called Biggest Greatest Thing. And it comes complete with a Corey Henry solo. I want us to listen to that together. Dwayne, I know you love Corey Henry. Oh, yeah. one. I mean, probably my favorite, if not one of my favorites. So I'm excited to, to listen to this here. Oh yeah. What do you think? <laughs> just I mean, he's so great. Just the feel is so good. He's just so I don't know. His playing speaks to me so much. Yeah, that's awesome. Great feel, great lines. He's he's moving along with the accompaniment behind him, you know, those horn yeah. hits. He, he's listening to that and that's something to consider if you're soloing in a setting like that. Don't don't forget about the people you're playing with and the particular musical setting you're in. There's also other great solos on this record, especially the track The Storm Will Pass featuring Kirk Whalem's nephew, Kenneth Whalem. That's a nice, uh, you know, added thing you didn't expect. I didn't expect listening to this record. Overall, it's a cool album. It goes many, many different places. Lots of lots of different musical sort of destinations we're getting. And uh, that that's appreciated. And I'm glad that they have at least one or two straight ahead numbers. Um, that's nice. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's move along to the the fourth nomination, uh, the Winds of Change by Billy Childs. Yeah, Billy Childs is the piano player 
on this record. He's a composer, conductor, pianist from California. He's known for his jazz chamber ensemble, combining elements of classical music and jazz music. This, uh, this is a seven-track release on Mac Avenue Records. He's got Scott Colley on bass, Brian Blade on drums, and he also features Ambrose Akinmusery on the trumpet on the title track, as well as many other tunes included on the album. The song titles kind of crack me up. There's a song called Master of the Game, another one called The End of Innocence, and they do Chick Corea's Crystal Silence. <laughs> some very interesting names, some thoughtful names. I enjoy that. Yeah, they're thoughtful. I just, I don't know. They When I first saw that, it made me laugh. <laughs> I literally LOL'd, laugh out loud. <laughs> Um, there's definitely a modern jazz feel in that we get these longer melodies attached with syncopated harmonies from the piano and a loose but still swing-oriented and cymbal-heavy drum set playing. Let's listen to a moment that exemplifies exactly what I'm saying from the tune The End of Innocence. Here we go. Part of me would label this brainiac jazz, you know, it's like, it's a little heady. Um, it flows. It's got a nice feel and it's sort of loose, but also not and kind of catchy, but not really. You have to pay attention, I guess is what I'm saying to a lot of these tracks that one included. Yeah. I think there's definitely some cool stuff going on here. Um, I listened to this album at least once through and yeah, I definitely, the first couple of tracks caught my attention, but it felt like maybe towards the end, I was starting to feel a little bit repetitive and somewhat lose my interest, but there's definitely some cool stuff going on, on, on this album. Yeah. And there are a couple of standout tracks that I found. First of all, the opening song, the great Western loop and the other track called the Black Angel are harder hitting and a bit more enjoyable to me. Um, there's a little bit more, uh, let's say, um, obvious musical development in those. All in all, it's a good record. It's just not necessarily my cup of tea. So after that, we get the fifth record, Dreambox from Pat Metheny. This is a nine-track solo guitar album. All but two of the songs are originals. Overall, it's great guitar sounds. We get that Pat Metheny thing right away where he's somewhat ethereal and loose on his feel. On the opening track, the waves are not the ocean. And that's a profound title. <laughs> Another interesting title. Uh, overall, this, this record gives a meditative vibe and feel. It's perfect to put on for the dog if you have to leave the house for a gig and maybe the dog needs some soothing. So you put this record on. <laughs> through your A-L-E-X-A and, and skirt out the door. And this would put the dog right back to sleep. <laughs> so that's a great <laughs> descriptive way to, to analyze that, Max. Yeah, and I say that because I've had to do that before. Um, <laughs> so I'm talking about myself. But either way, there are some interesting moments. The track Never Was Love has a really nice, subtle groove to it. 
We also get Jewel Stein's I Fall in Love Too Easily on this record, in addition to the Patty Austin record we heard before. So I just think everyone is covering this song right now, so that means you and I got to play it. Maybe we do. <laughs> it is a great ballad. It is. Another track that's interesting is Morning of the Carnival or Carnival, the Bossa Nova tune. It is the penultimate track, which it stands out as well as one of the top tunes from this album from Pat Metheny. I want us to listen to just a 30-second snippet of it together to get a feel of, of how this one speaks just a little bit more. Yeah, this gives me very much like kind of like dreamy, almost like lo-fi jazz yeah. kind of vibes. It's super nice to listen to, but it just definitely gives me that kind of like lo-fi, chill jazz kind of vibe. Yeah, and I, I use the word meditative, and to me that's what it it's it's giving to me. It's it's we're sort of uh, jumping into a meditation or we're trying to relax or, you know, unwind. This is something to put on if you're trying to unwind, I think. Um, so without, without further ado, that, that completes my sort of analysis of Pat Metheny's dream box. It's perfect for guitar lovers and players and real fans of Pat Metheny. This is one of the albums that had one of the highest number of Spotify plays, um, from these Grammy nominated categories. And I'm not too surprised. Pat Metheny has a lot of following. He's been a tremendous player for a long time. And he's well known, of course, with, um, you know, more fusion style music. And tunes like Bright Size Life are, are great selections that, that he came up with and composed. And so he does his thing on this record. And it is, is worth, you know, a listener. So, yeah, for sure. So I'll recap. Uh these albums in the best jazz instrumental album i'll recap the nominations and then max why don't you give us your your pick for which one you think deserves the grammy so first up we have the source by kenny Barron. second up we have phoenix by lakeisha benjamin third up we have legacy the instrumental john by adam blackstone our fourth nomination is the winds of change by billy childs and last and not but not least is Dreambox by Pat Metheny. Max, which of these records do you think is the the most deserving of the Grammy? Without any real surprise, I'm going with Phoenix from Lakeisha Benjamin. It's been her sort of standout record from the previous year. I think it's really hard to get above that in terms of recognition and musicality that's delivered on that album. Yeah, I totally agree with that sentiment that I think uh, Phoenix is deserving of the Grammy, but I hate to say I wouldn't be surprised if it went to Dreambox by Pat Metheny just for just because of his following. You know, he's kind of a little bit more popular than Lakeisha is amongst, you know, the general public. But I would love to see Lakeisha. I think it's well deserved. It's one of my favorite albums that came out last year, probably my favorite one 
newer one that we've done on the pod in, in a while. So I would love to see Lakeisha win the Grammy. I think it'd be well-deserved. I will say I will be upset on this one if Lakeisha does not win Best Jazz Instrumental Album this year. I will I will have to say something. <laughs> <laughs> now, the only people that are going to hear what I have to say are you, Dwayne, and maybe my wife if she, if she continues to listen to me rant about something and, and doesn't walk out. But, you know, that's it. So well, you, can, you can air your grievances here on the podcast. I'm sure that, you know, the listeners will take to heart what you have to say. I would appreciate that if they're so willing to listen to me spout about my grievances. Um, but I don't know. I, I really think they might go with Lakeisha's Phoenix. I, I see what you're saying. Pat Metheny is the guy. And, you know, he doesn't come out with an album that often anymore. So because of those things, he may get it. You're right about that. However, I would be um, annoyed, we'll say, if that does come true yeah i totally agree i think that phoenix is such a a great well curated album so musical um so yeah i guess we'll just have to tune in on sunday and and see what happens i'm sure we'll kind of go over what happened uh in our next episode which we're doing the joshua redman album um so that'll be up next uh what it's called momentum by joshua redman the elastic band that's right and that's a little different uh, it'll have some names we haven't mentioned yet. It's kind of a longer album and it's more fusion oriented, I think. And that'll be interesting to get into. Yeah. So we'll, we'll maybe we'll bring up some of uh, what happened on the Grammys. If there's anything that Max needs to, to rant about there. So <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. But yeah, this has been an op- awesome episode. Thanks Max for Max has literally put in so much of the the work into this album i've been kind of under the weather so i haven't been able to to do as much max has really done the the heavy lifting on this album and listened to so much music so yeah we just appreciate max for all the work that he's done and doing it so we don't have to do it you know max has listened and he's uh he's got his opinions we'll see what what the the people who vote at the grammys what they think you know right they don't call me to find out what i think but here we are maybe they should max maybe they should <laughs> maybe but yeah, so yeah, um, I just want to, before we go, just mention everything we've got going on. We have an awesome website, which is linked in the show notes. Um, follow us on Instagram, the Jazz Jam Podcast. Feel free to reach out to us in any way you see fit. DM us on Instagram, email us at thejazzjampodcast at gmail.com, or reach out through our website. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, yeah, this has been a, an awesome episode, kind of just previewing the Grammys, a little bit different than what we normally do. And so, yeah, Max, uh, anything else you want to say before we go? No, that's pretty much it. I do want to say if you want to find us, you know, you, you find us on the Instagram at the Jazz Jam Podcast, but also my personal Instagram handle might be worthwhile to check out. That's mlevysax, M-L-E-V-Y-S-A-X, if you're interested in that. Um, and, and we appreciate any res- responses. We've been getting some responses and some emails and some interaction. It's great to see. Keep it up. We, we've been in touch with some people. There may be some interesting things to come up in the next month or two right here on the Jazz Jam podcast. Oh, a little teaser there, Max. And the the, That's sh- right. the shameless self-plug of his, his own <laughs> personal Instagram. I love that, Max. Max is just unafraid to just plug whatever he wants. You know, you're giving me free reign on this episode. Next up, the gonna... dog's Instagram is going to be next, I think. 
Well, I got to make that first. But okay. That's right. on the docket. Yeah, sounds good. But no, I'm just messing with you, Max. All right. Well, let's uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. I want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode. This has been our Jazz Grammy preview show and an episode of the Jazz Jam podcast. We'll catch you later. Hey.